Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Second, we don't fear death. When you ask people how they're doing, sometimes they reply, well, I'm on the right side of the grass. Or, well, I'm vertical. I heard someone once say, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. (laughs) Comedian Mel Brooks wrote one of my favorite comedic lines about death. He said this, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) Ah, What a great line. But Paul had a different take on death because he could say for me to live as Christ, he could also say to die is gain. Paul knew that death would actually be an upgrade for him. In verse 23, he says, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. He he was kind of looking forward to dying. He wanted to be with his Savior in his presence, which is far better. And that word depart is a beautiful image in in the Greek language. It envisions pulling up your tent stakes. It's time to go. See, he understood that he was only living in a tent because tents are portable, right? They change locations. His tent on earth was very temporary. He understood that he had a mansion, a home in heaven. This was just a place to dwell. So it's the image of pulling up your tent stakes or the anchor of your ship. Paul saw death as simply setting sail on the greatest adventure you and I could ever imagine. He was looking forward to the day he got to pull up anchor and head for heaven. So did Paul have a death wish? No, not at all. Paul knew that believers here on earth uh, love God on faith. And we see Him as through a glass dimly, Scripture tells us. But following death, the believer will see Him face to face. Paul wrote that. He understood what was, what was going to happen when he died. One thing you won't need in heaven is faith because you won't have to believe without seeing. You'll see Christ. You will see Jesus. You, when He reaches out to welcome you to heaven, you'll see His nail-scarred hands and you'll be reminded that the only reason that you and I are, are, are in heaven is because of that man right there, Jesus Christ. Throughout eternity, we'll be reminded of that. He's my Savior, first and foremost. He loves me. He loved me so much that He went to the cross for me. If I was the only one on earth that would have ever accepted Him, He would have come down and died for for just me. And the same is true about you. I don't care what you say your value is. It's not what you say. It's what God has already said. He thinks you're to die for. Paul wrote, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment we die, our next conscious awareness will be seeing our Lord and Savior for the first time. Face to face. Unhindered. My oldest grandson is blind from birth. The first ever vision he's going to have. The first thing or color or person that he's ever going to see is when Jesus Christ restores his sight when he dies. Wow, <laughs> that, 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 just, that just gets me. 
I can't imagine that. We'll see His smile. We'll recognize His voice and look upon the nail-scarred hands and come into full realization that the only reason we're in heaven is because of Him. The only reason I'm not being punished in hell isn't because I don't deserve it. It's because He gave me grace. He paid for my sin so that I could live. He paid for my sin so that I could wear a robe of righteousness. His righteousness, none of my own. That's powerful. He took our punishment. He bled on the cross. And He died in our place. And then three days later, He arose. He was victorious over over the grave, over death. Because He lives, you can live too after death. He offers that to everyone. That's love. That's love personified. That's why Paul was torn between continuing here on earth, which meant sharing the good news, which meant planting churches, which meant also instructing pastors and teachers. That's good. Or <laughs> going to his permanent home to be with his Savior that loved and loved him so well and, and died for him. He wanted so badly to do that as well. Paul knew that life beyond the grave was a far better deal. I can remember my dad, Lee. Many of you got to meet him here when we first came up to plant a church. We were pretty small back then. We were in the 30s, I think. We numbered in the 30s. And my dad came with us. He was our first official deacon. He would make phone calls and and even in his elderly age. But he lived with us for about the last 10 years after mom went home to heaven. And just weeks before he joined her in heaven, we were watching his favorite show, which was Bonanza. Now, he could watch that thing every day. And I would ask him, Dad, how many times can you watch these shows? And he looked at me like I was crazy. I don't know. He could watch them every day. He, he really enjoyed Bonanza. But one day, we were sitting there watching it, and he hit mute. And I looked over at him, and he, says, he said this. He says, you know, Ben... I'm not afraid of dying. I wasn't ready for that. thought we were going to talk about Haas or something, you know. Um, he said, I'm not afraid of dying. He said, I know where I'm going. I know who I'm going to see. And I know what I get to do when I get there. I'm not really afraid at all. Uh, wow, okay. <laughs> I said, that's great, Dad. To have that kind of hope and, and to not have any fear to be so close to death. He knew he was very close at this time. And yet to be able to make that statement that he couldn't wait to be with his Savior again or for the first time. Dad had it right and so can we. More on that in a moment. Paul also had it right when you consider all the trials he'd been through. We can hardly fault him for wanting some peace for a change. In the presence of the Lord. I mean, after all that had happened to him, we can't fault him for wanting to go to heaven. Yet on the other hand, Paul knew there was still work to be done. He knew people still needed to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. The good news had to be preached still. And if he was living, he was going to do it. He knew that churches like the one in Philippi still could benefit from his guidance. Paul had a sense that God was not done with him on earth yet. 
Now, I don't know how he got this sense. I don't know if it was a dream. We're not told. I don't know if he just felt in his spirit that he was going to get off from the uh, trial and not be sentenced to death. Verse 25, And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Somehow, he just believed he was going to get released. In the tension between life and death, Paul found peace in living like he was dying. He was going all in. He was getting out of the way. He was dying to his own needs, wants, and desires. And he was telling Jesus, you just come in. You speak through me. Let me live for you. Listen, if death is just as appealing as life, as Paul wrote, then death is nothing to fear. Christians of all people should not fear death. In fact, when someone close to us dies, the Bible says that we do not grieve as those who have no hope. It's 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Because we know our separation is only temporary, temporary for those who belong to the Lord. I know. I grieved when my dad went to heaven. I grieved. Not because I didn't believe I'd ever see him again. I have that hope for sure. But that I couldn't speak with him right now. There was going to be a time when I wouldn't be able to talk with him and laugh with him. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. It's common to tell people when we've lost someone that we've lost someone. But they're not really lost if you know where they are, right? My dad's not, I didn't lose my dad. I just can't talk to him right now. He's in heaven. And there's that veil between us. And I know he'd never come back here for anything. Once you see Jesus, once you see heaven, boy, it, the past is in the past. You only want to live and be with him forevermore. Sometimes I ask myself, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? Oh, death? Oh, well, that's not so bad. Get to go be with Jesus forever? No pain? No sorrow? <laughs> that's, that's a great deal. To live is Christ. To die is gain. And with this attitude, we are able to live with one foot on earth and one th- foot in heaven. We remember we have a hope. No matter what happens down here on earth, we have this hope in heaven. You might think it would be It would make us so heavenly minded, as someone said, that we'd be no earthly good. That's not actually true. The opposite is true. Consider our final point. Here's number three. Third, live like you were dying. Live like you were dying. Look at Paul's example here. His only choice in his mind was between two great things. He could either go to Jesus soon or tarry longer here on earth and help more people to enter the kingdom and follow Christ while He was here. Once he put it into words, it became evident to him that God would leave him here for a while longer. Perhaps he sensed the charges were going to be uh, resolved because he had no fear of death. He was able to serve the Lord with life wide open. He had purpose in life. 
I've said this before. So, uh, this has been a number of years ago. The number one Googled question around uh, midnight to 1 a.m. is this. What am I here for? Or what is the meaning of life? How sad to live life not knowing what your purpose was. You have a purpose that I don't have. Now, they all dovetail into sharing the good news with people. But you guys have purpose that I don't. You know people I'll never speak to. You know where you work. I'll never be able to go in and share Christ. That's your, that's your purpose. I have a different purpose. But when you live out your purpose, when you discover it and begin to live in your purpose, life just comes alive. You won't be Googling, what am I here for? You know why you're here. Paul saw the Lord and how He intended Him uh, how he intended to use him to assist with the progress of the Philippians, the Ephesians, the Galatians, and other churches that he had helped establish and grow. And with eternity in mind, Paul was able to focus on what was truly important. Bible commentator Gordon Fee notes this about this section, this passage of Scripture. Quote, Such single focus does not make Paul otherworldly. Rather, it gives heart and meaning to everything he is and does as a citizen of two worlds. His heavenly citizenship determining his earthly. Wow. I've read that like ten times and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Paul highlights the tension that we experience. We naturally desire our heavenly home, but we also want to live in this present home and not miss out on the opportunities God has for us here. Once you've settled where you're heading, you don't have to worry so much about when you're getting there. God will take care of that. One of my friends here at Restored told me that on the back of our ears is our expiration date and it can't be changed. I thought, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> I kind of like that analogy. I don't have to worry about when I'm going to die. God's already decided that. That was decided before I was born. In fact, that was decided from before time began. God knew. And He knows the same thing about you. We don't have to worry about this. We don't have to worry about the virus. We don't have to worry about our health. Now, I'm not saying not to take care of things and not be reasonable. But I'm saying we don't have to worry, sit and worry about it what can man do to us? Scripture asks. God has your heavenly graduation day all planned out. The date, time, and everything is set in stone. So live like it's your last month. What would you do? Well, you'd probably share Christ with those family members you knew didn't know Him. Man, if I'm going to heaven next month and I know it, I'm going to reach out to everybody. I'll drive people crazy. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm just going to, I got to tell you, hey, in a month, I'm, go, I'm not going to be here. But, and so I need to tell you something. Hold on for a second. Just, you know, put the wrench down or, or, or put the tray down to a waitress. Yeah, I got to tell you something. There's a home, there's a place I'm going to. There's only one way to get there. We're all going to live eternally somewhere, and we get to decide where that is. So live. Like it's your last month. Live like you were about to meet Jesus face to face. Live like you were dying 
Because Jesus is coming soon. And we need to live with a large sense of urgency while we're still alive. We should be, have, have this urgency any second. Scripture tells us Jesus' hand's on the door. He's about to open it. He's about to come back. He's about to take us home to heaven. And the one thing you can't do in heaven is evangelize. There's no need to. I think, and I wonder, and, and, and this isn't found in the Bible, but I think maybe one of the early regrets that you have People say, you're not going to have regrets. There's no more tears in heaven. There's no more tears in heaven is, is clear at the end of Revelation. <laughs> a lot happens in between that. I think when, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, oh man, I should have shared Christ with more people. I should have reached out to more people. And now I'm here. Hallelujah. But I can't do it here. So be the Christian you know you should be. Be the spouse God called you to be. Forgive that person that you're holding a grudge against, as we read about in the song. Love like there's no tomorrow. Love if it hurts you. Love if you have to choose love in the beginning because you don't feel like it. Love and share Jesus with everyone you have the opportunity to share the good news. Don't wait another day. Let's pray. As we bow our heads, you know, to live like you were dying, you have to, you have to live first. We've talked about that a few times in the sermon. All of us were born dying. Sin entered into every human being and, and it left if it's left untreated, it's a fatal condition. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a fact. And Paul in Romans 6.23 writes, for the wages of sin is death. That's the punishment for unresolved sin. That's the punishment that everyone who rejects Christ at the end of time is going to be sentenced for. And the second half of that verse though is the greatest news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God sent His Son down to earth to die in your place and mine so we wouldn't have to die. Jesus shed His blood for the, for the sin of the world. He took our punishment for us. And in Romans 5.8 we learn, but God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we couldn't clean ourselves up. While we were yet sinners, while we were still rebelling against Him, God sent His Son to die for us. Let me tell you, if you haven't repented and turned away from your own direction in your life that you've been living, today's the day. If you haven't accepted Christ's forgiveness, if you haven't made things right with God, what are you waiting for? After you die, the offer's off the table. And none of us is guaranteed our next breath. This is too important to miss. If you refuse the gift He's offering in this life, you'll spend an eternity suffering the consequences of your sin. But you don't have to. That's the, that's the deal. That's the gift. You don't have to. 
Because if you turn to God right now, He's ready, willing, and able to remove your sin and set you free immediately. Will you do that today? Whether here at at church in person or maybe you're sitting at home. I'm picturing people sitting at home watching this. Listen, this message is for you too. Simply pray this prayer after me. and, And if you mean it, you'll become a forgiven child of God. Here it is. It's so simple. A child can do it. They do it every day. God, I know I'm a sinner. I turn away from the direction I've been heading. That's repentance. And I give my life to You now. I confess You with my mouth. I say that You are my Lord and my Savior. And I believe You died and rose again from the grave so that I might live forever with You in this place that's been talked about today. place is called heaven. In Jesus' name. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach, Paul said. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the Scripture tells us, anyone, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. If you prayed that prayer today, would you let us know by marketing on your Connect card? Or if you're, if you're at home watching us on a device, Send us an email saying, hey, I prayed to receive Christ today. Send us, send us your address because we want to mail you a Bible. If you're here today, be sure and come up afterwards. I want to give you a Bible, a new believer's Bible that will help you get started and walking in the right direction. And then, of course, we have discipleship here at RCC. It's a big thing to get discipled. It's important. It's critical if you're going to find out the reason why you're here you got to be discipled. God, I love You. What, a, what an offer that You gave us. It's beyond words. When we try to thank You, the words seem to fall so short of what You've done for us. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your love for us. Thank You for Your mercy. And Lord, for those who have been saved today, I, I just pray that they would walk with You all the rest of their days. That they would confess You on a regular basis. Lord, I pray that even today, they would come forward and say, hey, I'm a Christian now. What do I do next? For those who are struggling in storms right now, there's some hardship going on in this church. Some grief. Some grieving. Lord, I pray that You would comfort those people. I pray that they would sense Your presence even now as we're praying pray that You would guide them. They would sense Your presence today. Lord, I pray for our country. We've talked about this earlier. We have strayed from our moorings. We've drifted away from You and we're suffering the consequences for that. But God, You are gracious God and we're calling upon You. Even now, Lord, give us grace. Call churches to stand up. Call the men to be men. To step out in faith, and speak the truth in love. God, use us 
to light a fire here for revival. As we've sung earlier, we want to see revival. Just one more, God. Just give us one more revival here in America. Just let us turn back to You one more time so that, that hundreds of thousands of people would come to Christ. That's what we're asking for. Lord, we plead with You. Give us another chance. God, help us to step up. Help us to be faithful prayer warriors. Help us to step out for You. And to give a testimony of who You are to the people that are lost. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.